Well, this morning we're, we're looking at, at the theme, pray at all times. As a church, we seek to be prayerful, both individually and corporately. And I think we probably would nod in a sense, yeah, yeah, prayer, that's a good thing. And I'd just love us to spend some time on that this morning, just to look at that and maybe just re-excite you for what it is to pray. Maybe challenge you. Maybe give you a new insight into what it means to pray, both as individuals and together. Because we need to be a praying church even more than we already are because actually I know that there are individuals that are faithful prayers and that's wonderful and actually we need to learn from folk that have have learned to pray and we need to hear what God is saying and in turn we need to continue to see if there are new ways we can be praying, new ways that we can be encountering with God. And this passage is is familiar, normally because we look at the very visual, wonderful image of the armour of God. But actually, right at the end of that list of the armour of God is the thing that underpins and enables the armour to be appropriated, to be grabbed a hold of, and that is prayer. And so I'd like us to look at briefly this morning, kind of obvious thing in a way, but what is prayer? Then I'd like us to look at why would we pray? And finally, maybe just take a look at why it might be so difficult to pray at all times. Prayer is often likened to being like a telephone. Just in case you didn't know what a telephone looked like, I thought I'd bring one. So prayer is often likened to being like a phone. And I get that analogy, I like that. It acknowledges that actually it's a two-way process. Because when you're on the phone, you listen and you speak. Well... That's the theory anyway. I know that some might just speak on the phone and keep going and keep going. But the idea is that we listen and we speak. And so it is with God and our communication with God that that we listen and we speak. But you know, I think sometimes in church, prayer has become a little bit like this slightly old-fashioned now type of phone that actually needs to be plugged in to the wall so that we can pray. And so you have to go to a certain place to pray. And you pick up the phone and you pray and then you, you go away and then you get on with the rest of your day because you, you've gone and you've done it. And, and, and the phone stays there and, and prayer stays there while I get on with the rest of what I've got to do. And then maybe at some point later in the day, I'll come back and I'll pick up the phone and I'll pray again. But it, it becomes a little bit of a, an isolated thing. Maybe you do it in the morning 
Maybe you do it at church. But actually, as we look at prayer this morning, I wonder if it's a bit and all like a mobile phone. And I've heard one or two little text messages coming in. <laughs> Which I happen to have sent to you this morning as we were just beginning our time together this morning. But I wonder if prayer, and I'll come back to that in a second, but I wonder if prayer is a little bit like a mobile phone. Because actually, here is a technology that has exploded in the last 20 years. From having to carry around like a briefcase that weighed half a tonne, and, and, and you, you kind of could just about make calls somewhere in London, to a phone where actually, I watched Match of the Day on this last night. How cool is that? It's just unbelievable. Well, you might not like watching Match of the Day, but phones have become such an incredibly advanced piece of kit. But the thing about a mobile phone is you take it with you wherever you go. And you can make a call or you can receive a call wherever you go. It can be with you and part of you. And some of us are kind of almost welded to our phones. Some of us hate them with a passion. But the the image is there that we can take a phone with us now wherever we go. And prayer is absolutely like that. It might feel a little bit incongruous to suddenly hear beep, 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 do-do-do-do, all the different text message sounds coming in in church. But I wonder, do we sometimes think that prayer is a bit incongruous in other parts of our lives, that it's a bit of an, in, an intrusion, when in actual fact, it's something that we need to take with us and be a part of us wherever we go. You see, when my phone is switched on and I remember to take it with me, which is, you know, those are two challenges that some of us face. Oh, there's another one. When it's switched on, it's, it's ready for use. And actually, the only time it's not ready for use is when I forget or maybe when I step out of signal area. When I move away from where I can receive a signal, and even that, actually... It's a little bit like prayer, isn't it? Because sometimes we step out of a place where God can speak to us and where we can speak to God because of our own sinfulness. But actually, the phone is there for us to use. And I don't know about you, but actually my phone can do far more than I have any idea what it can do. There are apps that I can buy for my phone that would practically cook the dinner. And prayer's a bit like that too. That actually it is boundless in its possibilities. And so I'd love you just to hold that analogy and actually think about the pinging around the room and remember that as an analogy for prayer. That it's something that we need to be doing at all times. So what is it? What is prayer? Well, I guess simply put, it's about fellowship with God. It's about me sharing my life with God and God sharing himself with me. It's about us sharing our lives with God and God sharing himself with us. 
that's what prayer is about. And that can happen wherever and whenever we choose. Of course, I think sometimes we actually, as a people sending... That's from Wendy in London, just saying it works the other way around too. (laughs) Oh, was it? Oh, there you go. It's from Steve over there. Excellent. Well done. Thank you. No more. Otherwise, we'll get nowhere this morning. Or I might have to switch it off and go out of signal. (laughs) But actually, too often, I think, rather than seeing prayer as about fellowship with God, relating to God, we somehow see prayer as something of a kind of a, a divine room service. We're in the luxury of our life. We think, hmm, yeah, I just fancy a little bit of that. Or I could really do with that. Or, oh, I forgot, I need that. And we think, well, we'll just pick up the phone, we'll dial the number, and God will come to our aid. But God is not some kind of a bellboy that comes to our behest. Perhaps to to understand what that means, to to fellowship with God. We need to also understand that in fellowshipping with God, we need to submit to God, and that is prayer too. Because it's not just simply about making a list of stuff that we think we want, or we think God ought to know about, or we, we believe that God ought to be doing. But actually it's about submitting to God. And submitting is actually quite a difficult word in our society. But imagine for a second you were in a boat and you were coming near to the shore and you're getting ready to get to the shore and you throw a boat hook out because you're on your own. You haven't got anyone else that's game to jump off the boat and help you. As you throw the boat hook out and start pulling on the rope which is now connected to the shore, You're not pulling the shore towards you, are you? But actually, you are bringing yourself in line with the shore. You are being moved. And that's a picture of submission in prayer. That actually we're not trying to to pull God into our will and what we want, but actually as we pray and we submit to God... We are being drawn into his will and into his plans for us. And that's an important distinction. So prayer is fellowship with God. It's about submission to God. It's also about exploring And experiencing the boundlessness of God. As we read in Colossians, as we sang about a great big God this morning. Think of the Psalm 139. Where can I go to escape from your spirit? Nowhere. As we pray, we experience the boundlessness of God. During the Cold War years, after the war, through to, I guess, the breakdown of communism, we were very conscious as a Western society 
of the fact that as human beings we had developed enough power to be able to obliterate the world several times over because of our scientific understanding and the way that we developed nuclear weapons and all that went with that. But even all that power that we somehow have harnessed is nothing compared to the boundlessness of God. So you see, with prayer, we're actually able to connect our humanity with all its beauty and its frailty with our spiritual reality that God created us physical beings but spiritual beings too and he made us to worship him the boundless never ending everlasting God actually we have a soul that craves spiritual reality and because Jesus died for us we can come before the throne of that holy God that we sang to just now we can come without reproach because of what Jesus did for us Now, in some senses, all of this may be quite obvious. It might be making great sense to you. Or you might be thinking, well, yeah, it's fine for him. He's a minister and he he should be doing all of that. But yeah, look, my life is kind of busy. And I get, you know, to be able to to use prayer at all times of day and night and in every situation, that's, that's, that's not realistic. Let me acknowledge that prayer as well as being fellowship with God, as well as being about submitting to God, about experiencing and exploring the boundlessness of God, I have to say prayer is hard work. Something we need to be disciplined to do. We can get so comfortable with our physical, tangible reality that actually it can be easier just to try and ignore our spiritual existence, to ignore the reality of God who is with us, who has reconciled all things to himself. That means that he's reconciled our workplaces, our homes, our streets to himself. He is interested in all things. And it's hard work sometimes to allow ourselves to to walk with that reality. And actually, Satan loves nothing better than for us to ignore the reality of our spiritual lives. Satan loves nothing more than just to kind of allow us to get flabby and indisciplined about walking with God. And that's exactly why Paul is talking in these terms in in Ephesians of the armour of God. Because actually we are in a battle. 
And to be a Christian means that we will encounter resistance. Because to follow Christ means that we we actually run counter to many things in our society. And actually navigating that is not easy. But prayer is not an escape route. It's not a 999 call to say, Lord, get me out of here. But actually, it's a decision of the will to say, Lord, would you walk with me through what I face? Would you help me and guide me and shape me that my life might reflect your life as much as it can? But Lord, would you help me to walk in your ways? Think about Jesus himself when he prayed at Gethsemane. He didn't say, okay, I've had enough, I'm out of here. Think about when he prayed on the cross. His communion with the Father was holding on, was recalling what it was that he had come to do. And so prayer, far from being something where we isolate ourselves in certain moments of life, maybe particularly in crises, or maybe at certain times and places like a Sunday morning, like first thing in the morning or last thing at night, it's actually an attitude. It's not an activity. It's a life choice. Not a leisure option. And I think we've made prayer both an activity and a leisure option. We've said, well, yes, it's one of the many choices that you can choose to do in your life. Instead of saying, actually, I am going to make my life a life of prayer, a life of walking with the God who has reconciled all things to himself through Jesus Christ. Paul says, pray at all times. He doesn't mean piously kneeling all the time. But rather he means practising the presence of God in your life, day and night. There's a 17th century monk called Brother Lawrence who wrote about his own experience of working out the presence of God whilst working in a kitchen grafting hard day after day but realising that as he stood preparing meals, washing stuff up he was stood on holy ground as much as when he was up in the chapel because he was in the presence of God and he practised the presence of God and he allowed even the hard graft and the grotty bits to be part of his practising of the presence of God I wonder, have you thought of your home, your classroom, your workshop, your tractor, your office, the supermarket, wherever it is that you spend your time? Have you ever thought of those places as holy ground? where you go there in the presence of Almighty God. 
wonder if that would transform how you think about those things. That we practice the presence of God wherever we are. See, God is here, but he's also there. And I challenge you to look for how he might be speaking to you there and how you might look to him there in your workplace, in your home, in your leisure places. Because actually, there is no such thing as a sacred time and a secular time. Our whole lives are both sacred and secular. God is in all of our lives, and we need to welcome him in and practice the presence of God. There's just bucket loads of books that have been written about prayer. We've scratched the surface this morning. We've said things that maybe some of you know already. I'm sure we have. But as we've looked at fellowshipping with God, of submitting to God, of exploring and experiencing the boundlessness of God, of recognising that there is battle and there is hard work in prayer, we've both understood a little bit of what prayer is. And also why why we would pray but maybe this little quote would capture quite nicely why it is that we pray prayer enables us to stand firmly and honestly in the here and unquestionably influence the there It enables us, too, to stand in the now and effectively touch the then. Prayer breaks across the borders of space and the boundaries of time. It cannot be held restrictively in one area or in one era. Millions of prayers have outlasted the nations and dynasties of their contemporaries and have arrived safe and sound on the shore of another generation. Who can tell what benefits and blessings others are enjoying in distant lands because we have prayed in this land? Who can tell what mercies and provisions we are now enjoying because we are living in the atmosphere of prayers prayed long ago, even in this very building. No government can cancel the effectiveness of prayer. No law can lock it up within a location or an era. No parliament can kill its influence. Prayer is powerful because we walk with Almighty God. So why do we find it so difficult? We do find it difficult, don't we? Yeah? We do find prayer difficult. I find prayer difficult. I find myself walking out of signal. I find myself forgetting my phone. I find myself leaving my phone switched off. All of those kinds of things with that phone analogy. I find prayer difficult. Well, I guess coming back to some of the things we've already said, it is. It's a battle. It's not a leisure option, but it is a life choice. 
And we so quickly let other things crowd out our desire to pray or our belief that we can pray or that even it's worth talking to God. It requires discipline, which I'm sure I'm not alone in saying we often lack. It requires us to choose to pray and live in prayer even when we don't feel like it. And actually, if we're honest, we often don't feel like praying, do we? It may be that our view of God means that we think that actually he's not really that bothered. But Jesus desperately tried to scotch that view of God when he, when he gave various illustrations and, and ended it with, if you who are evil will do that for your children, how much more will your Father in heaven? The parable of the guy that gets badgered until um, he gets up out of his bed and comes down and helps his neighbour says, if, if, if you are a grumpy old so-and-so who will come down and sort out your neighbour, how much more will your Father in heaven give you all that you need? But maybe our view of God is that he's not that bothered because, well, look at the world. Maybe that we struggle to be honest before God. that we kind of say what we think he wants to hear. We dress it up in, in the kind of language that we hear other people who pray who seem to do that pretty well. We try and dress it up in that language and we try and say the things that we think God wants to hear when in actual fact, God knows us and we need to be honest with him. If you look at the Psalms, there are Psalms of such depth of feeling expressing anger, even hatred before God, that God might take that and deal with that and work with it. So let's not be dishonest before God, but we do struggle sometimes and we, we kind of dress it up. But you know, as we turn to prayer, as we make it, a part of our life, we find that it becomes more normal. Heard about a golfer recently who was accused of getting lucky in winning tournaments. And he responded, yeah, the more I practice, the luckier I seem to get. And so it is with prayer. The more I practice the presence of God, the more normal it becomes to walk in God's presence. And the more we miss God's presence when we walk away from him. So we need to pray at all times. I feel like I haven't really dealt with the passage particularly. It's a passage we've looked at before. But let me leave you this morning with just some challenges that as we seek to be prayerful we might be revitalised that we might be thinking more of what it means to pray 
We're going to talk in church meeting uh, a week on Monday night about opportunities for prayer. And be thinking together, what do we do? And of course we were talking in house group about this on, on Wednesday night. And we were saying that actually the location and the time and the, the, the kind of thing that we do are, are all very important. But actually, if it's deep within us, our heart's desire is to pray, then we'll pray come what may. And if we understand the importance of praying, both individually and corporately, we will pray come what may. So let me leave you with four statements which you might agree with. You might want to chew them over a bit. Here's the first one. No Christian's spiritual life will rise to stay above the level of his or her praying. So you might have moments where you feel close to God. But actually, that might just be a mercy of God that he he comes and helps you. But if you're not praying, then that will not remain. Second thing, no church's effectiveness will rise to stay above the level of its corporate prayer life. God, in his mercy, will bless churches like our church with various different things. But our effectiveness will be diminished if we are not praying together. Third thing, no church's corporate prayer life will be greater than the personal prayer life of its members and attendees. So it's not just about saying, right, okay, gird your loins out to church prayer meeting, if actually that's not what you are living and practising. See if it are those three. Prayer is vital. And we need to ask God in his mercy to help us, ignite in us a real sense of urgency in prayer. God in his grace takes each of us where we're at and we're all in different places. But as we come to quiet just now, I just would invite you to take one thing from from this morning and to chew it over. Maybe it is about seeing where you work and live as holy ground and seeing how God might feel about that and how you might be in that place with God's presence. Maybe it's about being challenged to think of prayer not as a leisure option but as a life choice an attitude and not just an activity. We need to seek to be prayerful that we walk with Almighty God as his servants, as his followers.